0: And be sure to share. Second City is back open
1: for live shows, in-person classes, and customized corporate workshops and performances. But we also have all those things available in virtual formats. You can go online and find out all the information you need at secondcity.com. Oh, I really, I really loved this book. Uh, and the conversation was great. Uh, Erica Duan is the CEO of Cotential, which is a firm that develops 21st century leaders' That drive disruptive thinking while removing bureaucracies and inefficient communication patterns. Her book is called Digital Body Language: How to Build Trust and Connection, No Matter the Distance. Eye-opening stuff in terms of the ways we don't um, understand how digital communication is so different from person-to-person communication. And even through this pandemic and being in these virtual spaces, we probably haven't given enough time to understand that things like punctuation. Affect different generations differently given the context in which they are delivered, whether it's by text or by email. So enjoy this conversation between Erica Duan and myself. Enjoy the pop. <laughs> At home and in the world. I'm Kelly Leonard, Executive Director of Insights and Applied Improvisation at The Second City. This podcast is about collaborative conversations, seeking connections, and finding a better way. This is Getting to Yes and.
2: Days can't be counted by the money spent. Today was just another better left unsaid. Days can't be counted by the time to rent. Tomorrow's just another like the one that comes next. The corner of the highway that leads to the job at the desk by the boss with the elegant watch. The tick of the clock and the tick of the clock mark the moments till the ticking stops.
1: Erica Dewan, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me here.
1: Uh, in the introduction to your new new book, you note that our failure to grapple with all these new Digital tools we use for workplace communication, quote, has created widespread misunderstanding and conflict, which in turn is manifested as across the board, anxiety, fear, distrust, and paranoia, end quote. And that may seem like a dramatic statement, but after finishing the book, I sadly and wholeheartedly agree.
0: (laughs) Crisis moment, right? We are in a digital communication crisis I'll never forget an example from one of my clients. He sent a text message to his boss saying, do you want to speak Wednesday or Thursday? And his boss responds, yes. Now, of course, we've all been in situations like this before. But in a recent study I ran, the average employee is wasting four hours per week on poor, unclear, or confusing digital communications. Think about the impact that this is having on our well-being in our lives.
1: Uh, and I'm well known for uh, having read a book and then just going office to office and telling people, you know, the things that I, I learned in it. And, and this was so great because there were so many examples. And I would walk in and I'd be like, "Hey, have you ever had an experience where like you got ghosted or whatever?" And it, when it comes down to, and, and you use the word fear, but there is just fear, and and we fill the gaps. The, these vacuums where, where we haven't really been, we don't know what the other person intended or, or necessarily meant to say, we fill it with our fear.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think that with synchronous communication face-to-face, we were able to read, eye contact, uh, lean in, a smile, and it gave us cues of trust and connection. In a digital world, when we send an email or an IM, we have no idea if someone's on the verge of tears or excited to read it.
1: Yeah. Okay. So... I wanna know how you got here and you talk about it in, in in the book in terms of how you were brought up essentially between two cultures. So can you give us a, a little bit of a, that backstory?
0: I grew up as a shy and introverted Indian kid outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My parents were Indian immigrants, mm-hmm. which meant at home, we spoke Hindi. And so at school, I had accented English and really struggled to find my voice. I remember in every report card from kindergarten through 12th grade, every teacher said I was quite studious, but they all said, I wish Erica spoke up more in class one of the things I was able to do pretty well because I was so observant is decipher other people's body language. I would watch the popular girls with their heads high, the cool kids slouching during assemblies. And it helped me realize that it's not what we say, it's how we say it. And that really allowed me to build my own ability uh, to understand the importance of traditional body language. I remember watching Bollywood Indian movies at home, not knowing exactly what the actors and actresses were saying in Hindi, but I could read the entire storyline in body language. Fast forward 30 years, I became a communications expert, and I saw my clients kept asking me the same questions, questions like, why is there so much misunderstanding at work? Or how do we better connect with different ages and working styles? And what I realized was that there was no rule book for the body of our language in a digital world. That's really where the genesis of the book came. And in many ways, like I was an immigrant to traditional body language. Today we're all immigrants to digital body language.
1: Yeah, and there, there's there's quite a bit of evidence around, around this, that that sort of outsider eye, right? And 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 comedians are well known for this, right? they're, they're like. No, no one got into comedy because they're well adjusted. They 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 were they were outside the norm, but in being, they were able to observe and 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 extricate certain kind of truths and, and turn that in into comedy. And what you're doing is a far more noble service, which is then turning it into how to help us uh, recognize that we're far from masters of this particular kind of language in in the new workplace?
0: I would say comedians are quite noble as well. They help bring substance and engage audiences. uh, And and in many ways, um, this is a moment where, you know, all those years we've spent mastering traditional body language, I really believe now is the time to master digital body language.
1: So how can something like punctuation and acronyms lead to self-doubt and mistrust?
0: Let's start with a couple of examples. Imagine a boss sends a quick text message, an all caps text message saying, we need to talk with three exclamation points at the end. For some individuals, that text from a boss can feel like shouting. For others, it can feel like excitement. And for others, it can feel like urgency. This is urgent. We need to talk right now. And and so you can even hear in my voice pitch that it can mean different things. But when in the written word, punctuation can be misread. I'll give you another example. Uh, a, A team member sending another team member an email saying, why didn't you finish this with three question marks at the end one question mark seems like a simple question three may seem potentially accusatory or passive aggressive and even simple things like symbols for some an emoji is completely friendly for others it feels immature or unprofessional and so capitalization question marks periods ellipses all of these forms of punctuation are no longer just simply what we learned in strunk and white's traditional standards around communication in today's world they can mean different things. Uh, If we think about capitalization, it can mean shouting excitement or urgency. Exclamation points can signal excitement or urgency. Periods, especially at the end of text messages, for some can feel like passive aggressiveness. For others, good grammar. And last but not least, ellipses. For older generations, they tend to skew as a casual conversation, a continuation of a chat. For younger generations, they feel passive aggressive or resentful, especially for those that grew up with instant messenger since when they were in middle school. So just think about how that dynamic can play out in the workplace.
1: This is like, this is a theme this week. And it's like, I was in a meeting yesterday with my colleague, uh, Abby Wagner, who's in the office next to me. And she uh, helped put together our, our, we have a program called Humor Doesn't Repo- uh, Retire for Seniors. And uh, someone asked Abby, hey, what, when, what age does that start? And she goes 55. And I turned 55 in August. So I had an existential crisis in this meeting. <laughs> uh, but generationally, I'm a Lipsy's guy. I do the, the three dots. And to me, it's sort of a, a I'm, I'm inviting you to fill in the rest of my sentence. And then when I talk to a younger colleague about this, they're like, oh, yeah, I, like, that is like a, a, a negative for me. And I'm like, I just, so so. You're
2: freaking uh, everyone out.
1: <laughs> yes. So this is, I guess this is the point of your book. What, why aren't we? We're not taught this anywhere, right?
0: No, nope. uh, you know, that is why I wrote this book, and it is it, it really came from my own pain. From this, I yeah. would stay up all night anxious about a message from a leader saying thoughts with three question marks. You know, yeah. are they being angry? Are they passive aggressive, or do they just really want my thoughts? I would get messages from clients saying, thanks for your patience with a period. And I'm like, is the thanks for your patience, you know, slow down, stop bugging me. Is it, I'm really grateful for your patience or is it, you know, a bit passive aggressive? Uh, sometimes I would get emojis that weren't really smiley faces. They were kind of obnoxious. Mm-hmm. And, and so in today's world, what I really set out to do was, um, was answer this question of why is there so much misunderstanding? And what I learned was that, there is not just one digital body language. There are different languages. We use them differently, even across age groups, genders, cultures around the world. And what we have to do is understand the nuances, just like traditional body language has nuances across differences, as well as being thoughtful of assuming good intent and checking our own biases so that we can create more inclusion and belonging no matter the distance.
1: Yeah, this is something we've worked on in our, in our in our work, mostly in like marketing spaces with clients, of sort of saying, "Hey, when you want to use a comedic voice, it is going to be you're going to need to use it differently in Twitter than you necessarily would in a YouTube video, than you would on a homepage." And and and, and everyone gets that. I just don't. I think this is even more like basic and important, which is probably why it, it got overlooked. And one of the things I love, of course, with any of these these books, is you actually cite science. And 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 uh, I I was really intrigued by psychologist James Pennebecker, Who noted that the person with higher status uses I words less than people who are low in status? And I think that might surprise people, but not if you actually think it all the way through, right?
0: Absolutely. Power does affect our digital communications, it affects the digital body language signals we send. And also the signals that we read from others. So it's natural, actually. It feels counterintuitive, but it's natural to realize that depending on our power level, we may tend to use I versus we more.
1: Yeah, I really was, I I had to drum I out of me uh, because we build things in ensembles and I always felt like I Mm -hmm. didn't want to give credit, which I think is still true. Um, in terms of my my personal relationships, but then recognizing right. different medium. Um, do you remember the joke that you cite from Morgan Stanley or should I read it? Oh,
0: yeah, of course. Okay. I'll oh, never that. forget it. So there was a running joke at Morgan Stanley um, around sharing thank yous in emails. So if you were, you know, an analyst or an associate, it would be, you no know, thank you very much or thanks so much. If you finally got to the VP, it was maybe thanks, uh, or quickly to director level, a THX period was appropriate. But there was one managing director who was just so senior, he would write T with a period at the end, and no one could get any more than that single keystroke (laughs) from him. And I I think that uh, we've all been there. Let's be honest. We've all seen these dynamics at work. Uh, Power does impact uh, how we read others' digital communications and what we accept. In fact, What much of my research showed is that some of the biggest culprits of poor digital body language are those most senior in an organization who relied on traditional body language, reading my body language cues, my furrowed brows, or my pursed lips, or my smile if I was interested or disengaged. And in today's world, we have to remember what was implicit before now needs to be explicit. And leaders have to make sure they're not creating more confusion if they are too brief in their messages.
1: It's funny we were talking before we started taping that we have a mutual friend Kim Scott, and I remember when I got to the trust power matrix, I'm like, oh, this is someone inspired a bit by the, the grids of our friend Kim.
0: Absolutely, uh, you know, in in the research for the book Digital Body Language, what I really set out to do and was I was very inspired by the Radical Candor quadrants uh, to think about was how do we think about uh, how we read other signals and how we send signals, and what I realized was that we're always answering two questions that guide relationships. The first is who has more or less power? And the second is how much do we trust each other? And I define this as the trust and power matrix. So it's actually a matrix. Power is on the Y-axis. Trust is on the X-axis at you know power up, power down. And then the right side is high trust. The left side is low trust. Mm-hmm. So depending on what quadrant you're in, It's important to avoid some blind spots. If you have high power, high trust, remember not to have those brief messages. Don't assume others will get what you mean. Remember your power can affect how people interpret it. If you have high power, low trust, show radical recognition. Don't just send the T period or the THX period. People may not feel your appreciation. Take the time to show radical recognition. If you have low power, low trust, well, everything in digital body language matters. One of the most important things is to choose thoughtfulness over hastiness. Mm-hmm. And lastly, if you have low power but high trust, this is where it's helpful to actually just ask for clarity. If you get that confusing message, just ask, you know, um, this is what I need. Can you respond to not get get emotionally hijacked and remember that we have to give people grace because we live in a world of email and video call overload?
1: Um, so my wife has this exercise she does with her comedy students. Um, and it's a status exercise. So I think, you you know, when, when you think about comedy, especially like early comedy, do it was, it was always high status, low status sort of stuff. And she would have at, at downtown Chicago, they would go out uh sort uh, of business district and go into a restaurant and she'd say, identify the boss sitting at the table. Um, and it's not hard. It's, it's actually quite easy. And, and you write in the book about the, that there's these, quote, cues that indirectly illustrate confidence, influence. Empower at work. Can you talk through what some of those cues are?
0: So we all know what the cues of confidence, you know, power engagement looks like face to face, whether it's uh, the way that we use eye contact or use our hands uh, or gestures uh, or lean in to engage uh, a specific audience. Now, in a digital world, uh, what I set out to do was focus on what are those cues that can allow us to build that virtual executive presence. Uh, I'll I'll start with the first one, which seems sort of very simple, but is quite profound. And that is always being prepared. A, A person with good digital presence is someone who is always thoughtful before the meeting. They send agendas in advance. They have a good meeting subject title. They're thoughtful of... How how is everyone going to engage? Everyone knows why they're in the meeting. They uh, They ask people to share. They use chat tools to engage introverts and extroverts. And they transform what could have been just a blatant, boring lecture into a true discussion. Another thing that's important when it comes to confidence is someone who proofreads their messages. Again, simple but profound. Take the time to think before you type, to not rush messages. What I find is that it's very easy for individuals to rush through an email and either not answer the question because they didn't read what someone really needed or ruminate about one line and say, how dare they write that and then get caught up or lost. And so actually taking the time to truly communicate carefully is the, the biggest signal that allows people to build that trust today.
1: Um, I want you to talk to us because I was really intrigued by this idea of channel switching, and you know, I, I I know what code switching was. I didn't know channel switching, and it just became—it's very similar. Uh, so, talk to talk to us about that.
0: Yeah, so you know, similar to what we know of as code switching, what I uh, what I was really curious about is how do we switch, or or let's call it channel surfing, uh, in our digital mediums. We have all um, been using multiple digital mediums, whether it's. Zoom, email, Slack, text, phone calls. Uh, what's that? A phone call, right? Um, but these, the what I found is good digital body language is not just knowing which channel to use, but also more importantly, when to switch the channel as well for the right medium. For example, uh, the endless reply all chain that doesn't that just doesn't stop. Uh, I I share some rules: three to four reply alls. It's time to pick up the phone. A phone call is worth a thousand emails. Uh, those thirty person video calls where half the people are multitasking because they didn't really need to be on. Let's end those and instead just have the six core people that really need to be on the meeting. Let all the other twenty four people know they will get an email recap summarizing the action items. And they are not wasting their time, uh, you know, so you can switch off and on. Knowing when to pick up the phone, when to schedule that group meeting, when to move from the meeting to the quick email exchange is not only a signal of empathy in today's world, but it builds trust as well.
1: There's a thing that now I'm used to that we only started doing at the beginning of the pandemic because I, I, I don't think I ever did a virtual keynote before the pandemic, and that's yeah. work-based what I do every week. Yeah, um,
0: I never did one on video. It was always yeah. like webinar format.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, we we now, when we have group, we mostly do group stuff. We have one this morning and, uh, we've got now gotten in the habit of having a text chain of all the people from our group that's there just in case. And it was great because it's able to go, oh, did we forget this thing or did someone? And, and so that's a very additive thing, yes. uh, as long as it doesn't distract you from, you know, your presentation, um, all right. I want to let's dig into emojis a little bit, because, yeah. again, I've I've uh, already outed my myself in terms of the generation. I'm not a, of an emoji generation, but I'm now
0: increasingly using them. There you go. Um, adapting. Very good.
1: Why are they important for the modern workplace?
0: So similar to phrases we didn't use in the past, but we've started using in the workplace like awesome or super or my bad. I think that emojis are the next extension of that. They bring a sense of our facial expressions, our emotional nuance back to tone deaf messages. Mm. Uh, think, think of emojis like facial expressions, which we normally can't see when we're using emojis. Happy, sad, grateful, excited. We can show all of them with a range of emojis. And if you didn't think emojis mattered, back in 2015, the Oxford English Dictionary cited and chose the tears with joy emoji as the word of the year. Uh, While many professional writers were probably quite upset, I think that's the standard to show that they are the norm, not the exception now. They matter in our workplace because they bring that sense of intimacy and informality back that body language used to be the traditional format to create. So that ability to show we're excited or we're happy. uh, When we're sending emails back and forth, it's much harder to show we're smiling people use the emoji to show that they're smiling, they're excited. Uh, another example, if we are sending rush messages, but we don't want someone to feel like we're frustrated, we we may use an emoji just to say, I need this, but I don't need this right now, or thank you, or I'm grateful. And it also shortens our messages so we can get to the point more quickly than writing out, thank you so much. Uh, so I, I am a big fan of just thinking before you emoji. Be authentic to yourself. If you're not an emoji user use them uh, in a way that feels right for you or don't use them at all. But remember, if you have a higher power level, they can be very effective to build intimacy and informality with those more junior than you. Uh, if you are working with a new prospect that you're selling to, maybe err on the side of formality first, but if someone else uses them similar to mirroring and body language, it can be effective to mirror back that emoji to create that mutual sense of trust.
1: It's funny. I, I, uh, I've been doing this and and you just gave me an insight into myself a little bit because I'm someone who has a lot of perceived power uh, and also someone who's very open uh, with, with about uh, uh, the things I've been through. And I tend to emoji to a lot of people I work with who I feel are friends um, thumbs up with a heart. Mm. So it's both a sort of a, it, like, there's a little bit of love in there. And also a, a yes, you know, yes. Sort of thing.
0: so, you know, right. if I'm going to read into your emoji language, um, it's interesting that you do the thumbs up with the heart, right? Cool. It, you know, I, I wonder if there's something you're trying to emote with both versus just using one. What is oh, Yeah, No, I definitely am because, because the thumbs up is simply
1: like, like if I'm on a text chain with like the neighborhood friends, families, yep. and we're doing a get together, I can just do the thumbs up because it's just like, I got All your message. Acknowledgement. You. Yep. If it is a colleague who I'm not like in that kind of relationship with, but I have but but i want them to know that my approval or yes also contains um something a bit deeper uh, that acknowledges yes. that human thing that that's that's important to me
0: and and this is just an example of how emojis can just quickly uh, allow you to elicit what you feel that you normally show in a smile and a lean in and a head nod yeah. while you are sharing, uh, you know, yes, okay, that now it can be used through the power of symbols. And so I think this is a moment they matter more than ever for the workplace as we use hi- remote work, but also as we go back to hybrid work.
1: Well, yeah, so we're, we're back at the office and, and we just like, there was a um, video shoot, uh, yesterday at second city. And so two people that I have not seen in 16 months, um, mm-hmm. who are both wow. big, big huggers we were just like, and we're all vaccinated. So we're, yeah, like, yeah. I am hugging. And I mean, it was emotional and it, it was like, cause we haven't had that. And then we're back on zoom today for the stuff that we had to do. Um, all right. This is like, this isn't just good business etiquette. Cause you have stories in here of like people who thought that they had, broken up long-time relationships over misunderstanding. And you also have this great story about an Israeli landlord. Do you remember that one? Oh, tell that.
0: Oh, well, I have a lot of funny stories, but also sad stories. Uh, In fact, there was an Israeli landlord named Yaniv Dahan who was renting out an apartment. And he ended up finding two prospective renters who were very engaged, uh, were very interested in the apartment. He said, "Would you like to move forward?" And the prospective renters texted him back. This is all through text exchanges uh, with a set of emojis. Um, one of them being a bottle of champagne. One of them being a check mark and an, another emoji. And um, you know, Yaniv said, "Okay, great. I'm going to put this off the market. I I can't wait." One week passes, they don't pay the deposit. Two week passes, they completely ghost him. Three week passes, he's more than upset because he interpreted those emojis as a signal of yes. He didn't uh, just let this go. He actually turned it into a lawsuit and filed a claim uh, and ended up suing the prospective uh, renters. They ended up having to file a claim and pay $2,200 to Yaniv for falsely sharing that they were interested in the uh, property. So if you didn't think an emoji would uh, cost you in the past, it can cost you now if you're not careful.
1: Real dollars. Um, You know, research by Naomi Barron that we actually comprehend less when reading on a screen than we do reading print. That's important.
0: It is incredibly important. Uh, I spent a lot of time studying research on linguistics and how it's been impacted on the screen. And uh, Naomi Barron um, wrote a great book a few years ago that goes deep into the fact that we just simply comprehend less when we are reading on a screen versus Uh, versus an actual print. And for those of us that may remember newspapers in print or magazines in print versus reading everything online, uh, or just love the print book versus the online book, uh, we may resonate with this, that we read more carefully, that we take our time, that we synthesize the words. uh, Whereas on a screen, we are more likely to rush through to try to read faster, to get the highlights. Even in Amazon Kindle, you know, we're more likely to uh, to just see highlights underlined and scan those versus reading every word carefully. And the biggest danger of this is actually, I believe, in online learning, where students who, you know, used to have the physical books and now hour moving to everything online may not be able to comprehend in the same way. And it transcends to the workplace of us missing messages or creating this communication simply because we don't comprehend as well on a screen.
1: Yeah. It's funny you bring that up because, you know, Second City is an education and a content company. Um, and uh, we certainly use a lot of our content services uh, for, for business, but not not so much in the learning area until recently, and more and more people are talking about it like no 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 like we think your sure short funny engaging videos would be wonderful accents to the lessons that you're trying to learn and i i have a feeling that that's where the space is going
0: absolutely uh you know and in, in many ways i think we have to we have to be thoughtful about the interplay of different mediums because yes. different people learn in different mediums yep. uh, i've even seen this with The rise of the video call, it's allowed certain people to feel much more included than they ever were in the face-to-face meeting. Introverts that are like, I love the chat. I don't have to fight for my voice to be heard with all these extroverts. I can just share whenever I'd like and not turn take in the chat. Uh, Those with deep accents that are talking about the power of closed captioning in video calls. Uh, Those that love the recording of calls and can go back to conversations. And so I think remembering that we all learn in different ways and actually using the power of different mediums to engage audiences, communities, teams, is actually to our benefit now as a result of the changes of the last year.
1: I'm, I'm really uh, I'm really glad you wrote the chapter around digital body language across difference, because uh, it's a big area that we, we dig into. And you write in the book, quote, every day, the pressure on women to appear warm and friendly plays out in the form of hedging language. All right, I, I shared hedging language with a, a colleague who who was basically had to leave the office. <laughs> she was like, oh no, you have a you've just like defined it for me. So talk talk to us about what that is.
0: I- Uh, I I will start with myself being a culprit. Uh, You know, I am someone who, especially as a woman, have often felt like I've had to pepper my messages or soften them with, I'm so sorry, or would you just be able to just do this? And I would just use just like 15 times in an email. Uh, And, you know, when it really comes to what is hedging language first? These are filler words. um, Okay. I guess so maybe that really uh, tend to show a lack of confidence versus projecting competence and confidence. And what I found was the way they show up in traditional body language can actually be amplified online. We actually tend to use them even more if we use them in traditional Mm -hmm. body voice link, verbal language In emails, IMs, and even text messages. Now, one of the things that I I do believe is that in our digital workplaces, sometimes hedging language can be helpful because it can allow us to soften messages when there is no other emotional nuance, when we can't show the good intentions with a smile or eye contact. And so I'm a big fan of saying, you know, you don't have to stop hedging language altogether if it's actually helpful, especially in a tough or sensitive situation. But my general rule of thumb here is. Uh, You know, I am a big fan of women to encourage them to not feel the pressure, to soften their language with multiple emojis or exclamation points. Research shows that women feel more pressure to do that than men. I also am a big fan of men to dare throwing in an emoji, uh, to use these cues, to bring more of a feminine digital body language. And it can actually help them deepen their relationships with those that are different from them.
1: All right, in a moment, I'm going to ask you for a yes and story. But before we do that, um, there's generational difference. Um, and we mentioned the phone call. Um, I'm, I, I was taught, like you were taught, uh, to answer the phone politely when I was a young person. And, and we often were like, well, let's just call. That, that's, that's what you do. But if I call a digital native, they might not see that as the intimate, friendly gesture that I'm intending it to be.
0: That's right. In fact, uh, there is a whole span of differences across not only generations, but what I like to call the digital natives, those that grew up seeped in the new conventions of digital body language to what I call digital adapters, those that feel like immigrants uh, that really preferred or were much more used to analog and they remember life and landlines and, you know, where computers were more of an exception, more than the norm all the time. Uh, You know, when it comes to this, Digital natives really hate phone calls out of the blue. They'll never check a voicemail, but they may send a voice note. On the other hand, a digital adapter may love a quick phone call out of the blue. Knowing when to think about your own style, which style are you, and when you're connecting with those different can be important. In fact, you know, if you're trying to connect with a native and you're an adapter, maybe taking a second to say, is this better as a Slack message versus another reply all email? And if you're a digital native trying to connect with an adapter, maybe remembering if I just pick up the phone, I might actually be able to solve this problem more quickly.
1: That's great. Okay, so we always end the podcast by asking our guest for a yes and story. And we talked before, you've got one, right? Yes, I do.
0: After I had my first child, Kamaya, I thought to myself, I'm going to take some time off and not travel. So anytime I I got a business gig, I would usually say no. Mm -hmm. But then I got an opportunity to speak in Hong Kong. My daughter was only three months old and... I said to myself, yes, and I ended up taking that trip internationally. Uh, It was only for about four days to myself. But I think back on that moment and I said, yes, and I can be a mom and I can be an author and a keynote speaker. And I remember that moment with pride, but also gratitude for the life and the generation of women that I'm in now.
1: I love it. I, I don't know if you've read Adam Grant's new book, Think Again. But one of the things I love about it is, is this this notion of incorporating um, uh, the ability to change your POV, to change your particular truth in a moment that that's actually uh, and, and we're not built to do that. And so and in, in many ways, yes, and is 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 like a, a gimmick you can use to nudge yourself to do maybe something that you wouldn't normally do. Um, and so I think that's a that's a great story.
0: Absolutely. And it reminds me of the, of the importance, as you so beautifully share, of the importance of keep asking yourself those yes and uh, questions and statements.
1: Uh, the book is called Digital Body Language, How to Build Trust and Connection, No Matter the Distance. Erica, DeWan, thank you for coming on the pod.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Getting the Yes And is produced by Second City Works and WGN Radio. Our editor and producer is Elif Garris. We get support at the Second City from Jenny Crowley, Abby Bumbledare, Mike Farinaccio, and Colleen Fahey. The music you hear at the beginning and end of the show is by Jukebox the Ghost. If you have questions, guest ideas, or if you want more information on working with Second City Works, you can go to www.secondcityworks.com or you can email us directly at works at secondcity.com.
2: the